Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99 at participating U.S. restaurants. Price may vary. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. And right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I break down this week's SmackDown, specifically Kevin Owens' pipe bomb promo. Or was it really a pipe bomb? And we welcome one of our favorite guests ahead of AEW Fight for the fall on this weekend. SmackDown was a significant improvement this week, not only from last week's, but from Raw the night before. Kevin Owens was the star delivering a passionate stunner to Shane McMahon and a passionate promo that had the WWE Universe in awe. But the comparisons to CM Punk's infamous pipe bomb promo may be a bit misguided. Plus, he's a WWE Hall of Famer and now the lead voice for All Elite Wrestling, a legend in the business and a friend of the show, good old JR Jim Ross, joins us ahead of AEW's next big event, Fight for the Fall, on this Saturday. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. I think we would both agree that it wasn't a strong episode of Monday Night Raw. I, myself, will say it was a terrible episode of Monday Night Raw. I really liked what I saw last night on SmackDown, and I think they did a much better job segment by segment. There was a much better flow, better wrestling. What did you think of SmackDown last night? Before I give you my opinion, I want to ask you this. Did you like SmackDown because you genuinely like SmackDown or because you said you hated Raw? It's a great question. I I have to be honest. It's hard for me to just put a blind eye to what I saw on Monday. So I'm sure there was an influence about how bad that show was. And I went to Twitter last night and I said how SmackDown was so much better than Monday Night Raw. But at the same time, I do think it was a very good show last night, even separating it from Monday Night Raw. My opinion is that SmackDown last night was a solid show. I do not have the same stance that you and a lot of people on social media have where they were like, oh my God, it was so great. I think it was so great because people were so underwhelmed by Raw. Mm. And I think this Heyman factor has to do, a lot to do with it also. People saw Raw, they were like, no way this is a Heyman show. So they hated it that much more. So last night when you got a good episode of SmackDown, it seemed like it was so much better. When I compare last night's SmackDown to any of the SmackDowns that we've been getting lately, I was like, it was a good show. It was a solid show. But I didn't see anything last night on SmackDown that absolutely blew me away. 
Were you blown away by anything last night? Well, I mean, there's there is things that I liked a lot. Okay. I love the match with Nakamura and Finn Balor. Yep. I mean, and you've been, you know, you've been talking about this guy for some time. And I think now the entire WWE universe is on board. Otis had one hell of a showing last night. And Kevin Owens, I kind of think, you know, a lot of people are going or exaggerating and saying that Kevin Owens had a pipe bomb last night. I wouldn't go that far. I mean, this this isn't CM Punk territory circa 2011 by any stretch of the imagination. But I think he had a very good promo. And speaking of Kevin Owens, let's listen into what he had to say on SmackDown last night. I got something to say. You know what? Last week I came out here and I spoke the truth about Dolph Ziggler. But it looks like tonight someone else needs to hear the truth. And that's Shane McMahon. Now I've sat back and tried to be a good guy, a good company guy, and not piss anyone off for too long. And I'm done with that because it doesn't get me anything. So you know what? A while ago I watched the entire McMahon family come out in this ring and say, hey, right now, from now on, we're going to listen to the fans and give the audience what they want. But the only thing that's happened since then is Shane McMahon has gotten more power, more authority, and more TV time than anyone. And trust me when I say that nobody watching ever wanted that. Well... One of the biggest pops of the week is when he brought up that McMahon, Shane McMahon, and all the TV time that he's had. And and there's a lot of truth to what Kevin Owens is saying, as far as him being a company guy. Come on, let's, you know, let's, I mean, you know, being the loyal company guy. He has been, you know, at least He's the company guy who headbutted Vince McMahon. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, when, that's the first thing I thought of when I heard that. I was like, really? It wasn't that long ago you headbutted Vince McMahon. Um, but he, but he did say some truth that it wasn't that long ago either that the entire McMahon family was in the ring on Monday Night Raw saying that, you know who's in charge now? The WWE Universe is in charge now. And since that statement was made, my God, Shane McMahon, look at this week. Shane McMahon was all over Monday Night Raw and was all over SmackDown Live. So there is a lot of truth to what Kevin Owens is saying. Truth within storyline. Truth within the show truth within the ring not truth beyond the ring everything that kevin owens said was within the confines of the storyline there was nothing pipe bomb-esque about what kevin owens said and i think that pipe thing pipe pipe bomb term gets thrown around far too often the only time you should ever use the word pipe bomb is when you're talking about cm punk and at the at the end of the day that pipe bomb was a well calculated pipe bomb but it was so different at that time we think it was earth shattering it was great Mm -hmm. and nothing else should be compared to it it's like a hanzo sword when comparing swords you compare a hanzo sword to everything else except another hanzo sword so that's a little kill bill for you right there kid anyway i thought the owens stuff at the beginning of the show was strong i thought the the promo on shane mcmahon was strong i thought there was a lot of um passion and energy in it they started the show at owens you got owens in the middle of the show and you got him at the end that was a great story every great story has a beginning a middle and an end and the story last night was of kevin owens i thought he did a strong job 
but no pipe bomb. Sorry. No, I agree. I mean, listen, we're talk we're still talking about that CM Punk pipe bomb promo years and years, and we will continue. Kevin Owens promo last night. We're talking about it today, and it probably won't have a long life after that. But it was a very good promo. And like you said, bled into the story that they're telling. And I like what you said about SmackDown, especially not only Kevin Owens, but the whole show. You had a beginning, you had a middle, you had an end. There was a flow, there was continuity. And that's what was lacking on Monday Night Raw. Honestly, with the exception of the last month, month and a half, that's been the problem with Monday Night Raw for a very long time. Now, we all thought, and we talked about it, man, we've done shows about it now. You know, now that Paul Heyman is with Raw and Eric Bischoff now with SmackDown, we thought they were going to right a lot of the wrongs. And I think what happened on Monday was a wake-up call for everybody. It was a glass of very cold water into the face saying, well, you know what? Yes, things were great last week. But you know what? Let's not count all the hens before they hatch. You said that as well with the baseball reference. Just because you hit a home run at one at bat doesn't mean you're going to strike out the next time up at bat. That's exactly what happened. Though SmackDown did a much better job than they did on Monday Night Raw. I can definitely tell you that two weeks ago I saw Paul Heyman's fingerprints all over Monday Night Raw. This week I did not. And I and with, with SmackDown... <clears throat> I'm not necessarily sure if I saw Eric's fingerprints. Did you see Eric's? Could you see Eric's creativeness uh, anywhere glaring on SmackDown at all? I mean, there. I, I, I'm glaring is is a strong term, but I will say this, and I said this yesterday. When it comes to Paul Heyman, it's more of the edginess that people are probably thinking about when they think of of Heyman's influence. When I think of Eric Bischoff and something that he gave to WCW was the realism. He wanted it to seem real. He wanted you to doubt, hey, is this storyline or is this actually happening? So then based on that, we could say that the Kevin Owens yes. promo probably came from Bischoff. Yes. Okay, fair enough. And I think you're so I think you're starting to see the elements come into play. And that's what I have to say strongly when it comes to the influence of Heyman and Eric Bischoff on these shows is elements. I mean, we've talked about it. You know more about it, Bully, than anybody else. And you've said it here. It's still going to have to filter through Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon is still that guy that's in charge. Just because he's hired Heyman and Bischoff doesn't mean that he is walking out the door. So you're going to see elements of influence from those two. But at the end of the day, the final decision, I'm sure, is still going to be made by Vince McMahon. There's no doubt. And what I'm hoping as we move forward is that Paul and Eric do not become the elephants in the room. I hope we're not coming on the show every week and talking about Raw and SmackDown and have to talk about Paul and Eric being the heads of the shows. Because I don't want to do that. Um, when we speak about WWE Creative, we speak at, about it as a whole. Now it seems like over the past couple of weeks, we've narrowed down creative to just Paul and Eric. Mm -hmm. And Paul and Eric are going to have the weight of the world on their shoulders with these two shows. It could be a blessing and it could be a curse. So, I mean, here we are already. We're kind of being sucked in by we're, we're talking about Heyman's influence on Raw, Bischoff's influence on SmackDown. We're already putting the glory or the blame on them. 
Uh, and that's rough. I don't want to talk about that every week. I, if I'm going to talk about Paul Heyman every week, I want to talk about him in relation to his promo or something that he's doing with Eric. I, do, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's fair to anybody, even and, and especially the nation that we speak about Raw or SmackDown and just relate it to Heyman and Bischoff. What do you think? Uh, it's it's hard not to, but you're absolutely right. And I think judging from what we've seen the last two weeks, after we saw Raw last week, everybody, myself included, wow, Paul Heyman, what a great decision. Look at look at the influence. Look at the show that we just got week one into the Paul Heyman era of Monday Night Raw. And then we got what we had on Monday, and everybody's saying, boy, boy, this is McMahon must have stopped Paul Heyman this week. That that had Vince McMahon written all of it. So when it's good, it's because of Paul Heyman. And when it's bad, it's because of Vince McMahon. And I'm sure it's going to be the same thing with the weeks that SmackDown is weak. Oh, when it's weak, oh, it's it's the McMahons. And when it's strong, it's Eric Bischoff. So, you know, at some point, we're going to have to know the actual balance that's taking place behind the scenes. I agree. Um, SmackDown. Good show last night. Strong show. Other things I liked was Otis. Otis stuck out to me. Uh, What else did I like? I liked the match between Shinsuke and Finn like you were talking about. Um, I know I'm probably jumping the shark here. You're going to probably want to talk about this later. Um, I think there's some good news and some bad news when it comes to Alistair and Cesaro. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the SiriusXM app. I want to get back to uh, Owens for one second. Sure. I think the reason people are comparing last night's Owens promo to CM Punk's pipe bomb is the believability in which it was spoke. You know, when CM Punk dropped that pipe bomb, he believed everything that he was saying. And Kevin was so passionate about everything that he was saying last night. I think that's why people took it as a shoot, just because of the emphasis that he put into it. This is another case of somebody doing a great job with their scripted promo. It's not like they handed Kevin Owens a microphone and said, well, just go out there and say whatever you want. No, that was completely planned, scripted, but he put so much emphasis on it that it worked and it made it that much more believable. And it blurs the lines because it is it, it is fascinating in this way, Bully, because you have Shane McMahon all over every single show. I mean, you're getting a major dose of Shane McMahon coming out of the spring and, and into the summer for the WWE. Then you have Kevin Owens, who's getting cheered by everybody because of what he's saying about Shane McMahon and the fact that, hey, you know what? Shane's all over TV. Enough of Shane McMahon. We're sick of Shane McMahon. You have all these other superstars in the locker room that aren't getting an opportunity, and everybody's cheering. So what he's saying is the truth, but yet the WWE keeps doing it. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me. Why wouldn't they? Is it Hello. working? Is it working? Here, let me. I'll, I'm going to ask you a question, and then you tell me if it's working. When Shane McMahon finally gets beat, are you going to be ecstatic? Yes. You sure? Or are you just sick and tired of seeing him that you really don't care anymore? 
I think last night shows you that it's working. You know why? How badly did that place pop when he got hit with the stunner at the end of that show? Okay, Alex, wait. Did they pop because Kevin hit Shane? Or did they pop for the stunner? I think it was a little bit of both. Because I think it's building with the Shane stuff. And you've been seeing it over the last couple weeks. People are channeling their, their emotions of how they feel about Shane being on the show... And Kevin coming out there at the beginning of the night and saying every word that everybody's thinking and then using their favorite guy's stunner to get back at a McMahon, I think it's a combination of all of it. But okay. and it, but, it got, but Alex, it harkens back to the question that Bully just said. You know, when Shane McMahon finally does get his ass kicked, is it because, hey, he's doing his job as a heel? and Or is it because you're just so sick and tired of seeing him on TV every single week? Somebody knock him off for crying out loud so I don't have to see him anymore. This goes back to that whole change the channel heat. There's, I have no reason to change the channel on Shane McMahon. Zero. I think he's doing a very good job. Um, do I do I think he's a little too much of the focal point? Sure, at times, because you got incredible talents like Drew and Elias surrounding him, but in the W the way the WWE thinks, Drew and Elias are getting the rub off of being in a storyline with the McMahon. So getting back to the end of last night, if Owens slides in and hits what's Kevin Owens' normal finisher? I don't even remember. Well, um, before he ca- in NXT, before he came to the WWE and in NXT, it was that package pile driver, yeah. and then they they and then when he came to the main roster for a minute or for a little while at least, it was that pop up power bomb. Yeah, yeah. pop up okay. power bomb. So let me give. You, so let, here, if he would have hit Shane with the pop up power bomb, would you have gotten the same reaction as the stunner? Hmm. No, probably not. It's the stunner. I disagree. You think you think that- I think the Papa power bomb would have worked and that's why I would have preferred to seen it used because it's unique to Kevin. Whenever I see that stunner, I immediately think of Steve Austin. True. And I should not be thinking about Steve Austin when I see Kevin Owens do something to Shane McMahon unless they are trying to blatantly recreate an Austin McMahon or Owens McMahon storyline. The Kevin has an established finish. The pop-up powerbomb, which he beat John Cena with in his very first match on the main roster. That's your move, man. Shane McMahon can take that pop-up powerbomb. But we got the stunner. And as soon as I see the stunner, I think of Steve Austin. Now listen, did it work Absolutely. Steve Austin even went on social media last night and retweeted about it, about, you know, WWE tweeted about raising hell and, it, and Steve Austin tweeted, it's about, some, about, about time somebody did it. But man, it, that move makes me think of Steve and Kevin has so much in his repertoire. And the pop-up powerbomb is as devastating as the stunner. The stunner might be the quote-unquote cooler move, because it's so synonymous with yeah. one of the coolest personalities in the history of our business. It's impossible to see Kevin hit a stunner and not think of Steve. And if I'm a performer, I don't want people thinking about Now, if he was using it as a tribute move, but if the stunner is going to become his thing, 
I'm not saying it's not going to work. I mean, he's used the stunner before. Not obviously, it's not his normal finisher, and he he doesn't use it a lot. He's used it before, but again, like you just said, it's a tip of the cap to Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's fine. I I, I I'm not saying what he did was bad. I'm not saying I did not like what he did. I'm asking you what the response was to. I'm at was the response to Kevin getting his shot in on Shane or was the response to the stunner and I think I have to agree with Alex I think it's a little bit of both I think it's a combination of the two normally I would tell you you're riding the fence on that one but I will agree with you I do think it was a little bit of both if you don't know Sirius XM then listen up commercial free music plus sports comedy talk and news they have it all a lot of people think you need a car to enjoy Sirius XM but you don't you can listen outside the car right now you can get your first three months of Sirius XM outside the car for just one dollar just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe you can listen on your phone at home and online that's SiriusXM.com busted Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross, the voice of AEW, Jim Ross, the greatest of all time, Jim Ross, author, Jim Ross. The man wears a lot of hats, Jim Ross. And by the way, he is the greatest of all time. And I will say this, I'm wondering, and do we have JR on the line? Okay, Jim Ross is there. Because I'm wondering if it would be okay for him if we played the Eagles when we introduced him instead of Boomer Sooner. What do you think, JR? I'm in. (laughs) Works for me, boys. There you go. 40 years, so I'll go for it. But it is your entrance theme, and 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 fans love it. And listen, speaking of your fans, they should all come out this weekend, July 12th, a live grilling JR in Jacksonville, Florida, right around what's happening with Fight for the Fallen on BR Live, which you can stream for free this weekend. And then July 14th in Philadelphia, Conrad and JR invade the Northeast, grilling JR Live in Philly right around Extreme Rules, and really looking forward to both those shows, Jr. Well, I can tell you this, fellas. Uh, Conrad and I are the biggest tag team to travel since the McGuire Twins. <laughs> so we're looking forward to it. <laughs> Me and Dreamer are going to give you a run for your money. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I will say, and, and Jr., you know this, but I am addicted to grilling Jr. As always, I thank you for the shout-outs that you give Busted Open, and I love the format and the chemistry that you and Conrad have. Do you agree? I mean, you you two absolutely have chemistry together. Yeah, we got lucky on that one, fellas. Uh, that's the whole thing about success, you know. You, like your your broadcast team, you guys have chemistry. Uh, it, it feels right. Uh, when Bubba and Devon were were doing their thing, it felt right because there was organic and natural chemistry. And sometimes in our business, we overthink things. And when you have natural chemistry or something works, but it wasn't your idea or it wasn't exactly where you wanted to go, those those organic ideas are forsaken. Uh, I think that that's a big issue in wrestling today. That's, for, that's another topic. But Conrad and I get along well. <clears throat> you know, we're two Southern guys that like fried food. We both love wrestling. We've both loved wrestling since we were kids. And uh, Conrad's idea to do this format this way, so he's the, he's the booker. I'm just uh, doing what I'm told and, and enjoying every damn minute of it. We got a, Our new show drops every Thursday, 6 a.m. Eastern. And tomorrow, 
uh, we're dropping a show about Vengeance 2004, and Conrad and I were talking during the show that we probably talked more about Chris Benoit than has been mentioned on any kind of broadcast, uh, well, not broadcast, but uh, any kind of, any, yeah, broadcast uh, in years. And he, Conrad even apologized that we may have offended some people by talking about Chris Benoit, but if you're going to talk about Vengeance 2004, you've got to talk about Chris Benoit. And that has nothing to do with the last couple of days of his life. It has to do with about 2004 in a wrestling event. So uh, it's a good show tomorrow, and I'm glad that we got to talk a little bit about Benoit without uh, making it sound like he's a national hero because uh, over what happened the last 48 hours of his, uh, his existence. JR, you talked about chemistry, and um, as a fan and as a performer, I don't think I've ever seen you not have chemistry with somebody. Was there times where you felt like you didn't have chemistry with somebody at the announce desk? Well, not really, Bubba. Not really. I I just tried to to fit in, you know. I I always believe that, especially in these three-man booths, which I'm not a big fan of, just personally, has nothing to do with the the people involved. The best three-man booth I was ever in was McMahon and, and Lawler. Uh, that really worked well. Uh, it was new and it was fresh, different sound, and uh, I enjoyed that. But I think you're you're kind of that, in that point guard position. It's it's the it's the host job or the league guy's job to get the ball to everybody else in a position where they can score. And uh, so I, that's kind of what I've done. I hey, I work with guys that had no broadcast experience. I work with wrestlers who only want to get themselves over. Uh, you know, but I've also worked with some of the best talkers in the history of wrestling. Uh, so I've been very fortunate. But I think that chemistry thing comes from being unselfish, quite frankly, and trying to check your massive ego at the door. And, and for me, that needs a big door because i got a massive ego. And, and that's fine. Um, how do you think the three-man booth has been working for AEW so far? We, we have to continue to work hard to get better. We're not nearly as good as we need to be. <clears throat> And, uh, but that's not a surprise, quite frankly. Uh, you know, we're, we're brand new. We did that. We did a show with no net in Vegas. First time ever, blah, blah, blah. All the first time ever. I get tired of that too. <laughs> this is the first time they ever wrestled on SmackDown. Who gives a shit? You know, come on. That's what you got. That's what you're bringing me. I send hook because, oh, well, hey, honey, we can't go out to dinner because this is the first time these two have ever wrestled on SmackDown. <laughs> I'll turn the DVR. I want to go eat. Come back soon. <clears throat> but uh, you know, I uh, we got work to do. We're new. We're green in that regard. We're green together. Uh, you know, Excalibur's uh, fantastic talent. I like his voice. He's got great product knowledge, and he has passion from his heart. Alex Marvez, I'd love to see in that Jay Glazer NFL Insider type role. Uh, Alex is extremely intelligent. I work with two guys who are a lot smarter than me, fellas. And I'm, uh, you know, we just, but we got to have reps and we got to get better. And uh, Alex is rejoining us on uh, uh, Saturday night in Jacksonville. Nice. I'm looking forward to that. But we got to continue to clarify and identify what our roles are within that three man unit. And that's just going to take practice. And I got every confidence in the world that when we go on television in October, that uh, whomever sitting at the desk is going to do be ready to prepare and prepare to do a good job for the fans. 
And that's the thing that's different than any other time in this business, JR, is the fact that, you know, with Double or Nothing, right away, everybody reacts in the moment on social media instead of giving it time because this is a new company. Like you said, chemistry isn't just forced. It has to grow over time. And it's funny that fans right away, they feel like they have to get their reaction out first on social media. Yeah, it's just a negative environment more often than not, unfortunately. But that's a society that we live in. You know, I guess the damn sick of hearing about, oh, the left side of the aisle, the right side of the aisle, oh, the left, the right, the demo, Democrats, the Republicans. Uh, we, got all, we all got to understand what these politicians are. They're all the same. They just wear a different jersey. They all have the same agendas themselves. The, the era of public servants has gone to hell, and the professional politicians are in vogue. And we see that now where, you know, with all these ridiculous things that are going on, and it rubs off on – it's a societal thing. So yeah, I got uh, I got hammered. I got hammered the last broadcast because I mentioned the word uh, Oriental and didn't say Asian. I had no clue that Oriental had been uh, had had tapped out and Asian had been tagged in. <laughs> Nobody told me that at the office, right? You know what I mean? So uh, I I screwed up apparently to some people's estimation. But those are the kind of things that frustrate the hell out of you because you got you want to say, are you kidding me? Really? I do a two-hour show live with no net, and you're bitching because I said Oriental instead of Asian because it fits your palate. And so we get, a lot of that's going on. You, you guys, I sure get the same stuff on your show. Yes, we do. Um, Fighter Fest was a fun show. I had some friends that were in attendance, lots of positive feedback. But it seemed like the one thing that, um, uh, you know, was the focal point of the show was the Cody chair shot. We can look yeah. at this at, from a lot of different angles, Jr., and we can dissect it right, wrong. I just want to know what's your opinion on the situation. Uh, I think the chairs are run their course, uh, to be honest with you. It, back in the day, as Tony Grew would say at catering, back in my day, the sheep were afraid of the men. Uh, he's a New Zealand boy. Uh, that's a little joke there. Uh, oh. But the, uh, the, the chair shot back in the day – the chairs were there as usable objects because we were sitting on them. The ringside fans in the studio audience were sitting on them. They were, those steel chairs or folding chairs were everywhere because they were handy, they were easy to stack, they were cheap, it was easy and inexpensive staging. Now then, nobody sits on a, steel, a metal folding chair. Uh, they're all locked up on the, on the ringside. They're usually nicer chairs. And the announcers don't sit on steel cha- folding chairs. Uh, maybe the timekeeper does. I don't know. Uh, so it's a matter of it's not it's, it's a work man. It's so it's a, such an expose. And then the other thing, the boys know that well they're going to use a chair, so they got to send the doggy style position. They're on all fours waiting to get hit in the back. And I can't recall ever in the last many many years that a chair shot to the back has beaten a single soul. So why are we doing it? And I uh, not bitching about what our, our creative last. Uh, it was edgy. It was out there. Which, you know, in hindsight, I wouldn't have done it, but it happened, and we called it the best we could. But I think the chairs are kind of like the uh, authority figures. I think they kind of run their course. Unless somebody can figure out a way to make them more innovative and current, uh, I'd say uh, let's table that stuff. No pun intended, Bubba. Let's uh, get rid of those chairs for a while. 
So, Jr., it sounds like you're you're not in favor of the chair, more from the the psychology perspective of it than the actual physicality of it, because it seems like the physicality of it is what people wanted to harp on. Yeah. I, I, now, look, I'm not I'm a big uh, person to want to protect the CTE issues and people's brains, because you know, obviously, we know that some of those injuries are irreversible. It shortens it, those, those uh, concussion things we see at the NFL, so forth and so on, boxing. Guys get their brains rattled so many times over and over again, you're asking for trouble. If you've dodged the bullet, then God bless you. Good Lord bless you with a, with a favor there. But I just think that we got to protect the CTE and protect the talents, big time in protecting the talents. I'm big on that. But, again, it's, it's kind of run its course. I, I feel when a guy assumes a position, you think you're getting ready to watch a scene from a prison movie. He's on all fours here. Come on. I don't need to. I don't, you, you don't, nobody wins. Nobody beats somebody with it. That's like some of these amazing – and we got a lot of these high flyers in AEW. But at some point in time, they got to start winning matches with their high-flying moves instead of using them as segue spots to get from point A to point B. Here with Jim Ross, again, Grilling JR live July 12th in Jacksonville, Florida at the Ramada Conference Center. Uh, showtime is at 10, meet and greet at 9. You can go to eventbrite.com or grillingjrlive.com to find out about ticket information. Then on Sunday, July 14th in Philadelphia at Dave & Buster's, uh, meet and greet at 1.30, showtime at 3. That's definitely two shows that you definitely want to take advantage of. And JR is going on the road a lot. So you, this is definitely an opportunity to be involved. And JR is great with these shows. And, of course, the Q&As and the meet and greets are absolutely fantastic. I do want to go back to Fighter Fest because, JR, I thought it was a great show. And the fact that AEW presented that and streamed it live for BR Live, which is exactly what we're going to see for Fight, Fight for the Fallen this weekend... Uh, I thought they gave you a little bit of everything. And it's almost like a buffet. There's going to be things that you love and things that you don't like. I love the show itself. I wasn't really into the pre-show. And I think like you, I'm, I most of the time when comedy and wrestling mix, I think it it misses the mark. What were your thoughts about the pre-show for Fighter Fest? Uh, honestly, uh, and this gets me in trouble sometimes, has in my career, uh, honestly, I wasn't crazy about it. I don't think it sold enough of what we were selling on the main show uh, just to keep people to invest their t- their time and to stay tuned. Uh, I thought it was a little, uh, I-, I just didn't think it was what we needed to be doing. Uh, I, I'm like you, you I, hey, I don't, I'm a, I like comedies. My favorite movies are comedies. When I'm, re- when I'm uh, drinking and I want to start giving dialogue, it's usually some stripes or Caddyshack, or, you know, something like some, something like that. I, one of my favorite hidden movies uh, is, uh, now I just lost the goddamn title of it. What's the name of it? Uh, I'll think of it here in a second. But anyway, oh, Hollywood Nights. Some people say, what the hell is Hollywood Nights? It's an old, obscure comedy uh, with a, my friend Robert Wool stars in it. But uh, it's a really cool movie, and it's great for, uh, for being uh, in an in a altered state. And watching it, great. A couple of cocktails. <laughs> Altered state. Altered state, yes. I mean, do you have a, the correct today, Bubba? Bully, oh, do you right. have an altered state, 
movie that you watch? Mine is Night Shift with Henry Winkler. Do you well, have one? No. Yeah, my my my, yeah. do, my doctor told me I swallowed a lot of aggression along with a lot of pizzas. <laughs> There's your stripes reference, Jr. That's right, baby. So it's you know it's a. I, I thought that I think we have to be selling a good sampling of what we're going to be presenting in the main show. And I think that's the same thing. If you have a, uh, a pregame show for a pay-per-view, whatever WWE is going to do on Sunday, uh, those matches should not just be filler. They should be building to something. Bill Watts told me a long time ago, we did, we did a show, Mid-South Wrestling was an hour show every week, did well. It had uh, seven, it had five, six segments. That means it had five commercial breaks. And he looked at all six of those segments as a huge opportunity to create revenue. And our revenue then was singularly focused on ticket sales. There was no pay-per-view yet. Merchandising was almost non-existent. It was ticket sales to live events in the territory. So uh, I value those every segment. Every match should have a meaning. Every match should have a purpose and a direction. And but just to get somebody on TV because they have been on in three weeks is not a great reason for me for them to be on television. There's got to be a reason, and I just felt like that some of the things that we were presenting, albeit fun for some people, especially gamers, and we were at a gaming convention, so I get that too, uh, might not have sold what we do uh, best, which is I think is have a diverse style of wrestling, and that's all going to get better. Heck, guys, this is a, this is like going to work for a, 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 a expansion team, the NFL. We got some former high draft picks. We got some guys in their prime, but we got an awful lot of guys that are young, unproven, hungry as hell, and willing to essentially do anything to quote unquote get over. Jr. Everybody wants to throw the word competition around right now when it comes to AEW possibly presenting competition to the WWE. Um, Vince has just put Paul in charge of Raw, Eric in charge of SmackDown. We're not sure when that's going to go into full effect. Nobody understands the way Vince McMahon thinks better than you do, and you also understand Paul and Eric. That makes you such a great asset um, to the potential war coming up. Does Tony Khan realize this? Because I've said you're such an important piece of the puzzle for AEW right now. And I think you fall into that very, uh, the Tom Hagen consigliere role for him. Yeah, and good, good reference. I always wanted to be Robert Duvall, by the way. Well, you kind of look like him a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I got hair. Though. I still have some hair, so I'm okay there. But, but you I understand where I'm... Him. He's a salsa dancer, you know. I eat salsa. <laughs> but Jr., you know where I'm coming from over here. So have ha, you you understand how these guys think? So how does that help AEW? Oh well, well, thanks, brother, for that compliment. I I, uh, I do know Vince well, and and uh, I I had a great time. Twenty six years there. Twenty six twenty six years to be booked in a territory for twenty six years is a nice run, you know, and so. Me leaving there was not a sad day in that respect. I had a great run there, and I know, and Vince was so, uh, you know, he was responsible for how nice my bank account looks, <clears throat> and I appreciate that. And Jan appreciated that. You know, she was a she was a major supporter. When I'd be pissed at Vince, she'd always tell me to step back, take it easy, Tiger. She'd say, and uh, take exhale. And so I would 
get through my personal being pissed off because of her, and she she got along with you know she loved the company and I did, as she should have. It bought her a lot of Louis Vuitton, so we're all good. Uh, but I, I I think that I don't know what Paul and Eric are going to be allowed to do until their roles are clearly established as to what they are going to be allowed to do. Then I have no idea how it's going to eventually work out for them. I think it's a splendid idea if it's if it's allowed to uh, be fully utilized. In other words, let's say, fellas, that Paul comes to TV or has a conversation this week with Vince about TV next week or or the pay per view. He wants to change the uh, let's say somewhere along the way he wants to change the title from Rollins to somebody else. Uh, is is and he's got a good story, but is he going to be allowed to do that? without having to go through channels and negotiations and discussions. Because sometimes the, the, the bloom can fall off the rose, so to speak, and timing is everything. So sometimes when you wait a month or six weeks or whatever, the, the, the buzz is over. So I'm wondering what Vince is going to allow those guys to do and what, how much he allows them to do is going to dictate how successful this move is going to be. They're both smart. They're both good organizers, by and large. Uh, uh, they both manage differently. Heyman's, you know, more of a rah-rah guy. Bischoff's more business-like. Paul's a little erratic, you know, in, in that regard. I love him. He's brilliant. And I have to say I gave him his break in the business whenever I put him on TVS as my partner. Because you know why? We had chemistry. He was easy to dislike. I told him that all the time. I used to hurt his feelings. I didn't mean to. I said, God damn, you're easy to hate. Well, he didn't get that that was a compliment. He got it eventually, but it was a compliment. It was meant to be a compliment. And so I think they both have different management styles, but again, it's going to be up to what Vince allows them to do. And if he allows them to, to make changes on their guts and their instincts and their team of whoever's helping them, their right-hand people, buy in, then you, you can see some uh, much improved product for WWE at this point in time. So I'm pulling for them. hope they do great. The company does great. And I found this out years ago, and Watson and I talked about this. When, when right around, around the time of WrestleMania three, uh, and, and the, the huge crowd and the Silverdome and Andre and Hulk and all that great stuff, it helped business in general. Uh, I don't know where you were, Bubba, at that point in time in your life, your, your, uh, your journey. But I was in the Mid-South Territory, and it helped our business because pro wrestling got uh, uh, a hug by the mass media. And so then all of a sudden it made it somewhat topical again, and the trickle-down philosophy was in effect. So I, I hope that WWE does super business because it helps all of us in whatever wrestling, what aspect of wrestling that we're in, including your guys' show. There's no doubt. And, and Jr., you just mentioned about, uh, Vince allowing these guys to do, you know, what they can do. In your 26 years there, was there a period where Vince actually allowed guys to do what they wanted to do? Or, or when, when was he the, the least restrictive in your eyes? Well, when we got, uh, we moved into the Attitude Era, I was, uh, you know, part, one of my jobs was to book the live events, uh, the cards, and uh, and also do the payroll. There was a long time there that we would meet every Saturday, Vince and I, every Saturday at his home, and go over the booking. Uh, I'd have it penciled in. I, I stressed the word pencil because this pencil's got an eraser, the most powerful weapon in wrestling. 
the eraser. Uh, you heard it here first. Um, and so eventually he got confidence in my ability to process the payroll and pay the talents fairly in the, in the discretionary policy that it was, which is always going to be subject to conversation and, and debate. And then he, he enjoyed my house show bookings because we had talents that were great. They were over, and we were drawing money. So what's, why screw that up? So about that time, I, I, got, a, I got some autonomy in that regard. But, I, but he was also surrounded by a different group of people. I think depending on the group of people that he's surrounded by is how much leeway he allows them to have. He's done an amazing job of allowing that to happen on a corporate side with his executive staff. With, uh, you know, Michelle Wilson and, and all those cats do a great job. So he believes in them. He's got to find the same confidence level in his wrestling side. And that's his pet, pet thing, as you know, Bubba. And I don't know if he'll ever give that up, especially at this stage of the game. Uh, if he'll let, relinquish some of the hold, loosen his grip a little bit, and they start having great success, and the, the metrics start coming up, the ratings are better, the house shows are better, then he's going to know he made a good decision. But he's never going to know that unless he lets these guys do their thing, and that remains to be seen. JR, Fight for the Fallen coming up this weekend. It's available to stream live for free on BR Live. Really looking forward to that. You have the two shows coming up this weekend, July 12th, as I mentioned before, in Jacksonville, Florida, showtime at 10 p.m. at the Ramada Conference Center, and then July 14th at Dave & Buster's in Philadelphia. Uh, meet and greet at 1.30. Showtime is at 3 p.m. And again, you can go to grillingjrlive.com to find out all the details about the live shows. Something else that's coming up, and it's amazing, JR. Uh, every time we have you on, there's something new in your career, something new that we can promote and talk about. You can now pre-order your new book that's coming out, the sequel to Slobberknocker, My Life in Wrestling, under the Black Hat coming out soon, and you can pre-order that right now. Go to jrsbarbecue.com. And how excited are you about the book? And how difficult was it for you do, to do a sequel to your last book, which was a huge success? Well, uh, Labor of Love, thanks for mentioning it. Uh, the, uh, the book writing process has been uh, challenging this go-around. It was challenging the last time, too, because uh, right at the very end, uh, uh, Jan got killed, and it kind of exploded a lot of my energy and my creativity and my passion. It affected those things. Uh, I don't have that issue to deal with on this book, but this book is going to be filled with Attitude Era, Monday Night Wars, XFL. You know, getting dra- I did a show, a podcast here a while back on the 2008 draft, where I was moved from Raw to SmackDown after being told the night before that was not going to happen. So, and of course, the old, the old deal that. You know, WWE's great at this. Well, when I talked to you, it wasn't going to happen. But mysteriously, overnight, someone changed their mind. <laughs> okay. So uh, I talk about that. And, of course, I have to talk about her passing. I have to talk about my phasing out of WWE. Uh, there's a lot of really interesting, compelling topics that we're addressing in this one. I just got a note from my routing partner, Paul O'Brien, and we're going to meet next. Again, we meet every week at least once, sometimes more, uh, plus endless texts and emails. And, and I write stuff, send it to him. He's, he writes stuff, sends it to me. But we're going to talk this next time, for example, about my third bout of Bell's Palsy. Well, you think I look forward to writing that? Hell no. You know, it happened on an airplane on the way to TV. And uh, so it was just a 
those are not good memories, but they're true stories. They're part of the journey, and i got to man up. And that's what I've kind of done here in my life is just man up a little bit and stay busy. You know, I, I dreaded staying home. I hated it, depressed, all that crap, and I didn't want to be weak. I was, ter- uh, you know, my dad told me not talk to me, talk to talk me not to be weak. Bill Watts talked to me and taught me not to be weak. And then I worked for the the ultimate alpha male and missing man for a quarter of a century, and he taught me not to be weak. You can't be those guys above. I know you you can you can you can identify with this. Vince doesn't really like sickness or sleep or fatigue or illness, any of those things. So you tried never to yawn. You tried never to be sick, and if you were, you kept it to yourself. Even to the, even to the, I think some guys used to come to meetings that were goddamn infectious, but because they were so worried about their perception by the boss, uh, they let let her let her roll. So uh, this is a tougher book, guys, to write, but it's really it's really going to be good, I think, and uh, it's going to be so honest. And then I'm going to I'm going to do the uh, audio book when it's done. We hope to have it out by WrestleMania time, ironically, of next year. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I'm, I'm, it's a fun read. I think it's going to be a fun read for everybody. But uh, And it just came out. Simon & Schuster just hit that today. That's another one of my new deals. I signed, I signed with them, and, uh, which is going to be great for my next book. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that relationship. But you go to Amazon.com. It's the easiest way, Dave, to, to pre-order it. And uh, I, I sent a tweet or two out on it today. And, uh, so people can kind of find it if they're interested. I think it's twelve ninety nine or something. It's a pretty good deal. I started saying it's pretty damn cheap. So hell of a deal. Right. It is what it is. Jr. Um, I think we know the answer to this question, but I would love you to tell our listeners your perspective. Just how big of a get is it for AEW to be able to lure John Moxley away from the WWE? Well, it's the biggest get yet for us, I think because of the timeliness of him coming fresh off WWE television. Uh, I know he wasn't always overwhelmed with his creative, but he got a lot of TV time. He has a lot of name identity. Uh, more importantly, he's young, athletic, and passionate. He wants. He seemingly comes to work with a chip on his shoulder. He's perpetual motion at TV. He's uh, full of energy. He's like they said on Talladega Nights, I'm all jacked up on Diet Mountain Dew. And... Uh, Another one of my go-to movies. Because <laughs> remember, boys, if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> I mean, that's so, the truth. And the, and the immortal words of Reese Bobby. <laughs> so uh, uh, he's a he's a big hit, man. Uh, he's and his passion and his work ethic rubs off on the other other guys. And we got a very uh, oh heck, what, the word I'm looking for, the impressionable. Uh, group of guys. They may have great reputations in the independent scene. They may be. They may have cult followings with a small smattering of fans here, there, and yon over because of their uh, work in the indies. But they ain't been to the big dance yet. And we're going to get them to the big dance in October when we go on TNT every week, live television, prime time every week uh, on, in October. So there's hopefully we can help continue to mold, mentor, coach them up. Be a good listener. Give them some love and some positive uh, positive attention, motivation. And by October, when that whoever keeps whoever sticks to the roster by then, is going to be uh, have a whole different perspective. Can use their youth and their athleticism to actually learn to work 
a match that can keep people enthralled and entertained on an episodic weekly basis. It ain't easy. I told these young guys, I said, you guys are having fun now because you're coming to TV every couple of weeks. You're doing this easy job, easy gig, getting paid. Well, pal's changing. In October, you're going to be on the road every single week. Mm-hmm. And you're going to do a live television show every single week. That goes for me, the camera crew, the, the person ringing the bell, everybody. And to those of you that haven't done that, and luckily for me, I've done it all at my age. You know, I, I told Austin, you know, I was on Steve Austin's podcast this week, and I said, well, you know, Steve, my career got a big boost when I, when I announced that uh, Abraham Lincoln Stephen Douglas match back in Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jr., you mentioned the alpha males like Vince McMahon and, and Bill Watts. My father always told me never hit another person in anger unless you're absolutely sure you could get away with it. And <laughs> I've always tried to keep and hold that advice from my father. But, uh, Jr. as always, man, thank you so much for joining us. Always something to talk about, and good luck with the shows this weekend. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate you helping us spread the word. I always appreciate you guys' support. Very, I'm very grateful to everybody, and, and, and Bubba's one of my guys. I, I always loved Bubba because he was a tough bastard. He, I don't remember him calling for him to work sick. I just had to get on his ass about trying to work on those goddamn little bitty calves he's got. (laughs) God's sakes, do something about that. We're long tights, will you? That's all I got, JR. That's all I got is a great set of calves. (laughs) I said, uh, I was thinking this the other day, I said, you know, Bubba's probably got more selfies of his calves than he does of his junk. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God for that, JR. Yeah, right? (laughs) Thank God for that. But I appreciate you guys. It's going to be a fun weekend. I look forward to seeing everybody. In Jacksonville and Philly, and and uh, I'm just glad to be healthy and blessed to be on the road. And thank God for Tony Khan and AEW. They have saved my wrestling life, and I love them for that. And I'll do all I can to repay them. Well, thank you, Jim Ross, and we're we're better as fans with you being behind the microphone. So thanks again for the time. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate you guys. Have a great day. All thank right. you, Jr. Take care. Thanks for listening. Catch us weekdays on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.